understood with words but I'm worse But it started out a joke of a romantic stuck to my tongue Way down with words too overdramatic Tonight it's a cat get much worse Worse no one should ever feel like I'm too quarters in a heart And I don't wanna forget how you Welcome back to another episode of the Faithful Fanatics Podcast I'm your host, Dylan Davis, joined by George Ryder, Matt Szymanski, and Matt Gint McGinty. Guys, it's opening day of the 2020 baseball season. It's finally back. There's been a new playoff proposal put out today that's been ratified and agreed upon. And uh, sports are back. Let's go. Officially back. So uh, no more hypotheticals. No more trying to figure out what to do for shows every week. It's back, and I... Can't be more excited. I don't know if I'm going to leave my house for the next month. It's time to play some fucking baseball. I'm so excited. This is going to be insane. We got, in one hour, we got Mad Max versus Cole. I mean, going to be a fun show. And then afterwards, you know, even more fun. Speaking of fun show, uh, we have another guest today, guys. Uh, so, we first of all, we hope you guys enjoyed our last interview with Tyrone Johnson. Um, you can go check that out on the Apple Podcast app or on Simplecast online. Um, but today we have John Marks from 94 WIP coming on in about probably around 625-ish today. So I'm excited to talk some uh, Phillies opening day and Eagles with them because also training camp starts soon. Yeah, definitely excited. Uh, huge guest today. <laughs> um, really excited about baseball. Like you said, we got a great game, great two games tonight. And then tomorrow we get to watch the Phillies play, which it's almost like Christmas Eve here. It's so excited for everything to be back, almost especially baseball. Game. Kind of bittersweet starting off the Marlins after last year. Where yeah. They just beat the shit out of us all the time. Just hope they don't beat the <laughs> shit out of us again. But other than not, I'm betting Phil's heavy tomorrow. It's a good day tomorrow. We got Phil's and Sixers scrimmage. You know I have to throw that in there. Of course. Of course. I know we're going to probably be really heavy on the Phillies just because it's their first official game and the Sixers are still on scrimmages. But, you know me, I got to throw the Sixers in there. I'm excited. I'm just excited for sports. Alright, so before we uh, get Mr. Marks on our show later, let's talk about the Phillies, guys, because, you know, like I said, we've done a lot of hypotheticals, and we talked about the rotation and the and the Joe Girardi signing and the lineup and the bullpen issues and everything, um, but it's here. So let's discuss, let's, let's go around and talk about our final expectations and predictions this year, because I just, I don't get it. I don't get the national and even local, it's a lot locally, too, the, like, pessimistic view on the Phillies this year like I'm not I'm not sitting here saying the Phillies are World Series like contenders I'm not like I don't know but the fact that they are in most people's eyes the fourth best team in this division and a 500 team at that they have them going 30 and 30 I I don't get it because my question to you guys today is why not the Phillies obviously yeah like obviously it's hard to like really predict what's going to happen in a 60 game sprint but I don't see any reason why you should not be optimistic about this team we we have a good hitting lineup from one through nine we can hit a lot better than last year and then you pair that with new Zach Wheeler signing obviously he might be out for a few games if his child's born but he's still going to be there um, let me just say Vinny V we'll see but he's showing oh, flashes we'll get into that, today. that cutter and changeups looking pretty dirty so I don't see why you can't be optimistic about this team I know that they're obviously in a really tough schedule position you're playing against the two best teams in all of best divisions in all of MLB arguably but 
I'm optimistic. I'm also a stan, but I'm very optimistic. I'm optimistic because I just I don't get what people want. Like I I don't get I don't get how they're a 500 team in people's eyes. To me, like we know that the Nationals are the defending World Series champions and what they have in their in their rotation with Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and Patrick Corbin. I I understand that, and I know that the Braves are probably the favorites or are the favorites, but could most likely win this division. Um, and the Mets are a young, up-and-coming team with a nasty lineup as well. But I'm, I can't sit here and say that I would take any of those lineups over the Phillies. Well, how, how can you? I understand Acuna and Freeman, and well, they don't have Marquecas, but I understand that the Braves are a really, really good team. But when you go Bryce Harper, JT Realmuto, Didi Gregorius, Scott Kingry, Gene Segura, Andrew McCutcheon— I, Reese Hoskins, I don't like it goes on and on. Jay Bruce is your DH. Say it louder. That lineup can break. <laughs> yes. They can. Yes. And they showed it in exhibition games so, too. It's not like they've been Because so here's what I was saying to you guys earlier is the fact that I don't know what people want and why I keep saying why not the Phillies is because ever since the 07 to 2012-2013 run and once the Rollins Utley Howard era ended the Phillies sucked, right? I, I I understand. But then from that point till now, 2020, there's been complaint after complaint, hole after hole. And for a while, it was the lineup and a lack of, of um, left-handed hitting in the middle of the order. And it's been the bullpen over the years. And it's been the rotation because for a while with Jared Eikhoff and, and, the, and Vince Velasquez still— um, the lineup, the rotation wasn't any good, and then you went with Pete McCannon, and then you tried out the Gabe Kapler experiment, and that obviously failed. But now, in 2020, I want to know what people's complaints are because you have an incredible lineup in front of you, especially with a universal DH now, and with the Phillies teams, you have a one-two punch of Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. Look, I know that the Nationals just won the World Series, so you could say pitching wins championships. Like great pitching will outdo great hitting in this league. But that is rare. Like that's like four aces. Like those three are like four aces rare. Not all teams have three, four number ones and number twos on their roster. That's just rare. Like the Phillies have an ace and Aaron Ole, who was a Cy Young runner-up two years ago. You have Zach Wheeler, who just paid over a hundred million dollars, and then you know you see what happens in the back end. So you're and then you bring in the biggest hire. The biggest void was the general manager. And you hire a, cha- a World Series champion in Joe Girardi. I understand the bull- the bullpen is a concern, but wh- why not the Phillies? Like, why is it because the bullpen's a concern? The, the Nationals bullpen blows. That's a th- yeah. Like people tend to and forget no one that. talks about that. Yeah, because they- their lineup isn't better. All they have are those three versus Nola and Wheeler. And I understand those three are way better than a Nola Wheeler tandem. But with everything combined, why are the Phillies the fourth best team in this division? I think it has to do, obviously, like you said, the three playing devil's advocate here because I believe the Phillies are a playoff team and I think they will make the playoffs. But Especially playing devil's advocate format. is, yeah, with the new format, definitely. But before pre new format, I yeah. thought they would make the playoffs. But I think it's obviously the three, four, and five. It's like uh, we brought up earlier, Vinny V might be back. He has not been consistent. He's not been a very good pitcher in the MLB. Um, Jake Arrieta, we hear it again. We hear it t- every year. It's uh, now I'm officially back. I'm going to get back to what I was in Chicago. And he hasn't really brought that here. He hasn't been that good here. And then your fifth spot, who knows who it's going to be. So you have a three, four, and five hole where it's like, 
you don't know how many wins are you going to be able to rake out of those kind of guys. So that's playing devil's advocate. Like I said, I do think they'll be over 500. I think they will make the playoffs because of this lineup. This lineup is really, really powerful. So that's just the devil advocate turn of why people don't see it, but we'll see. I'm like another reason why I'm really high on it is because our staff is honestly just ten times better than last mm-hmm. season. You had Joe Dillon, you had Brian Price, and Brian Price. I mean, it seems like it's already working. He wanted everyone to get on the changeup. Vinny V is throwing a good changeup. <laughs> Nick Pavetta is throwing a good changeup. Listen, I'm just saying it looks better. And now, and then the Joe Girardi effect is Dude, also you're real. Biting. You're no, biting. no, I'm not. Listen, you're biting on the Vinny V chump. I'm, maybe a little bit. We'll but see. Vinny we'll see what v. happens. I don't know. Listen, like you hear me, I'm Mr. Optimism over here today. Maybe that's just because baseball is back, but it's truly what I what I think of this Phillies team. But the Vince Velasquez thing is is on the back burner for Listen, me. Listen, all right. The only the thing I'll say is watching him play in the sim games with the Phillies. He had JT like off balance with his cutter. Like this, like if this man can pair that with his fastball, which is almost unhittable. His fastball is really good. So we'll see what happens. But I really like Brian Price being there. I think they respect him a lot more than uh, Chris Taylor. Chris, yeah, Lash, yeah. yeah. All right, I'll make you a deal. Right now, live on the Faithful Fanatics. Let's hear this. If Vince Velasquez throws under 60 pitches through the first three innings, I will buy you a case of beer. I'm under under 60 pitches? Oh, yeah, in the first. It, all right. Dude, so. it, on that pace, he's only lasting four innings, like four, four and a half innings. That's all he, that's what he is every year. I'm with it, yeah. How many I'm, innings I'm, was that? It. Three. Three innings. 60 he's averaging pitches. 20 pitches an inning. That's hefty, dude. Are we talking about if he starts? Yeah, the game he starts. All right. Who's he going to start? Who's his first projected start? I have no idea. It would probably be five, which is Yankees. Because unless Spencer Howard comes up for the five, I think fifth game is Yankees. That's rough. Not a shot on taking that. (laughs) I'm just, dude, my issue with him is. He's going to be on the mound a long time. It's not even even the lack of command at times. It's he just seems like such a head case when when he's out there on the mound. And it's. Every single time I tune in to watch Vince Velasquez pitch, he's at like 55 pitches <laughs> through an inning and a third. <laughs> and I went, I went to the Dodgers game when uh, when it was Ali's return and he hit what three bombs. Yeah, and that was Vince Velasquez that night. And I remember I didn't even know who was starting when I bought the tickets. And I and then it came out that it's him. I was like, oh, you gotta be fucking kidding. Me. <laughs> and then I think through like two innings, I think he was at like 57 pitches. And I was just like, dude, when does it end? It's the, uh, listen, I'm all with you on the optimism train, Bill, but um, I, Vin, Vinny V is not I will the say, reason why. I would much rather have Spencer Howard in the rotation yeah. and then Vinny V in the bullpen. I think, I think Vinny V would be really effective in the pen. But as a starter, I mean, we've seen it before. We've gotten excited before. And... It, every time the same result happens, and Dude, he's the most average guy ever. Sixteen strikeouts in one game, and people just lost their minds. See that? <laughs> that was awesome. That game was awesome, though. Dude, you know when that game it's happened? One game. Oh, uh, what? One three game. years ago? I was a senior in high school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just graduated. College. Newly grads here. <laughs> yeah. So listen, I. Again, what, we're rooting for him. Hell we yeah! Are. Don't, no, don't get it twisted. Yeah, I mean, I, of I course guess. we're rooting yeah, for him, but, but it's just not. Yeah, it's like we're rooting for Tony Rowan and KJ McDaniels. It's, yeah, there's like, not a lot of hope here. Yeah, that's how I'm feeling on it. <laughs> okay, so my que- now I have another question for you guys. Like with the Phillies, if we are optimistic about the Phillies and the Phillies do make a run at either A, fighting for the division, because I truly believe that they are. I'm not saying they're going to beat out the Braves, but I think through the 60 games they're going to be fighting for the first place. Um, 
what is the driving force behind that for you guys? Is it because I know Bill, you talked before about how good an MVP caliber caliber Bryce Harper is through sixty games. Uh, we had the best catcher in baseball. Is it Aaron Nola having bounce back year? Is it Reese Hoskins? You definitely need Nola to have a yeah. bounce back year. Is it Reese Hoskins um, bouncing back? Is it the what is the driving force in you guys' opinions that's going to make this train go and get them to the playoffs? I think you already said it. It's Nola. Nola has to come out like he was two seasons ago. If you don't have an, an ace Nola pitching through these sixty games, of an ace that he was. I just don't see us going anywhere without him. Like this is the guy that every he what we, he had like, such an amazing season two seasons yeah. ago. Like it, like a ten war. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's fun. Yeah, like, you win Cy Young. Yeah, he was in the running <laughs> for the Cy Young. I like he finished yeah. third. Like if I'm remembering he correctly. Did. Yeah, but if you look at the two guys ahead of him, yeah, you're like, okay, yeah. I understand. <laughs> like I think Scherzer was one in that year. Did it Scherzer was, win? Was DeGrom, I think it was Degrom right? that yeah. year. Just Rosier might have been yeah. too. Like yeah. that's what I'm talking about. Really like, good names. <laughs> if, if Nola's in that type of like eliteness in pitching, and that you have him for these 60 games, yeah, of course they can make the playoffs. No, I'm with you on that. But if he's like last year, we need you're we not need 60 games, and he's like last year. He, you what the fuck? You're counting on Wheeler to be your best pitcher? No. We need Ace Aaron Nola. That's going to be huge for us. We also need Bryce Harper to play like an MVP candidate. Yeah, and I need more Bryce yeah. Harper bombs. I get it. The RBIs, <laughs> the RBIs are great. They're very important. But like Bryce bombs. He need he he needs to turn it up just a little more. I get it. I get it. People, I, yeah, RBIs I mean, are important. But like I don't know. I just need more more from him. This we're paying him. He needs to show that he is that player. Watching him like absolutely rake in spring training and spring training 2.0. He hit over like what was it like 420 I think his average. So if we if we get a Bryce Harper that's like motivated like that, he said he's in the best shape of his life. It looks like he's hitting just tanks. Like that one off Scherzer that he hit in the exhibition game. He didn't even barrel that ball, yeah. and that thing yeah. fucking flew like. We, so yeah, Bryce Harper obviously. I we think need Aaron Nola. M- McCutcheon's health is big, even though he's not a top tier guy he's on the team. He's got to be that on base he guy. Needs like he needs to was. be on base. He needs to be like how he was, especially like when he was leading off for the Phillies. He needs to get on base. He needs to be that guy last year. I hope this injury doesn't set him back because he's older. Yeah, he is older, but he was one of our better players last year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure his on base percentage was like around like 380 range when Which he got like, hurt. That's it what was, you need. It was ridiculous. Especially like, for about the best. 60 games. Like we're talking 60 games here. They need to come out clicking. They need to come off perfect. Most important part of baseball, get on base. Yeah. And that's what Cuts did. I agree with you guys name. with <laughs> I agree with you guys um with the Aaron Nola point. But my word is consistency in the lineup. Because to me, like you get like Snap, you brought up Bryce Howard. Bill, you brought up Bryce Harper. Um Bryce Harper's going to be Bryce Harper, just like Joel Embiid's going to be Joel Embiid. But what what we talked about last week with the Sixers and what Ty talked about is can Tobias and those guys make open jump shots because they're going to get them. That, to me, is what this Phillies lineup needs to do. All right, then you because, need you need Reese to hit yes, the ball. Yeah, exactly, Reese. Yeah. You need Gene him to Segura, fucking hit the ball like he did two years Gene ago. Gene Segura that can hit over 300 because before the McCutcheon injury last year, this lineup, which is even better now, it's very similar, but better now, adding Didi, Kingry's better, Gene's like... That lineup raked in the first half. That's why they were in first place. And we saw after Kutch went down, yes. everything went downhill then, from there. And then Reese was absolutely terrible in the second half of last year. I hope his I new just swing. Think Bryce, to me, Bryce Harper's going to be Bryce Harper. But if McCutcheon and JT and Reese and Gene Segura is hitting over, over 300 and Didi is coming here for what we paid him to do, 
that is what's going to drive this Phillies team where this because that lineup is capable of dropping five, six, seven I, runs I, a game. I know a way to light a fire under these guys right now. Sign JT to a long term <laughs> deal. I guarantee you they'll have a lot more chemistry because they can get it done. I feel like that's a huge thing. There's a lot of disturbance when a player of that caliber is not definite for next season. I know it's like a small thing and doesn't do anything with the actual skill of the players, but it's it's a locker room disturbance. That dude is pissed off, probably. I would be pissed off if I'm JT. I, I hope not. He did say he was like, no bad blood, but I mean, no, you got to fuck out you of got That's what every professional, professional says. Answer. Um, that's another thing. I, I was watching the, uh, um, what game was it? The Orioles scrimmage with the Phillies. Uh, <laughs> Roman Quinn is a ball magnet. Yep. So he got Pause. hit at stealing second base to like, the first game. And then got hit trying getting back to first base against the Orioles. So speaking of his health, so center field, I know we asked it last week. Who now the opening day opening day is tomorrow, but the lineup isn't out yet. Is it Hazley or is it Quinn, and why? I'm I'm more of a Hazley guy, if I'm being honest. But like Roman Quinn's speed is absolutely deadly. Like he all he has to do is hit the ball on the ground and run his ass off and man's 99 speed like that's like so it's gonna be tough i think hazley definitely will hit better for average than quinn but also quinn getting hurt is a big red flag because you know it always happens that's just the story of roman quinn he just always gets hurt and it sucks but i'm i would lean hazley i think they might kind of go like a one two honestly and see what happens but we'll, we'll see i'm a hazley guy I'm definitely going to agree. I'm going to go with Adam Hazley. Adam Hazley batted like what high two sixties last yeah. year, so that he's going to be our nine spot most likely. That's a really really good ninth hitter, a guy that can flip the lineup and get on base. So I'm definitely going to go with Adam Hazley right. as and well. You, and using and using Roman Quinn's speed in the new extra inning format, mm-hmm. in, like that that's very I feel uh, like valuable. But. I feel like people forget Hazley was like an eighth overall pick. Like he yeah. he's a he's a high up guy. Yeah. So like we'll see how that goes. But he definitely has a lot of potential, and I'd rather see him go. All right, one last question before we get into just our overall like win totals what we think is coming up uh the infield is interesting because it's to me one of the best middle infield one of the best infields in baseball now but how how would you guys um how do i position these position our infield because obviously jt's catching out like stupid to say but obviously and reese's at first base but the other three because gene can play all three dd can play middle infield at either side and kingry can play all three so how wh- how would you position the the second to third base? I think well, first of all, Kingery is a Gold Glove waiting to happen at second base. So it seems like they really want to stick him there for the season. That's what it looks like. So that's probably going to be his spot. Gene at third. Gene at third, and Didi at short. And that's probably what I would do too. Honestly, I I was big in the beginning of that for keeping Kingery away from second and putting him on third because it was versi- like he's yeah. so versatile, but. I, I kind of switched up, and I think Kingery, he's so he's so good defensively, especially at second base. So put him at second. He's made for that position. Exactly. He's then you got made DD. For it. And if you need to use his, if you need to use Scott's versatility, you can do it whenever you want. It's he did it all last season. He jumped around from position to position, and it didn't seem to phase him. Yeah, I agree. I would definitely go with that set of positions as well. Okay, so I talked about being optimistic and what is going to be the driving force behind their success. What is the one area to you guys that is going to hold the Phillies back from achieving what we think they can achieve and make them um, that 30 and 30 team that people are like 
saying they're going to be? I mean, I definitely think the the beating at the bushes, the three, four, five pitchers. It's mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. I think the only way you're gonna go under that is if Wheeler and Nola don't pitch to their expectations, which they need to be really good. But even if they do pitch well, you still could hover around a thirty and thirty record right. if Arietta can't pitch well, if Vinny V can't pitch well, if Spencer Howard comes in and can't pitch well, if Pavetta can, whoever Eflin, all of them. It's the three, four, five is just. It sticks out like a sore thumb to me. It's they got to figure. Hopefully, these guys can pitch well. Like you said, you're rooting for them. We hope Vinny V figures it out. But that's the only thing I see. And yeah, the bullpen, I completely agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100 with that. I mean, from three to five, it's sketchy. It really is because <laughs> Arietta, no bone spur. Obviously, he's going to be pitching with a lot less pain. But you don't know. I mean, Jake Arietta's never been that guy to kind of just like bounce off the paper for the Phillies I mean obviously in Chicago not in Philadelphia and then it's the bullpen because you got a lot of young guys in there like Ramon Rosso he could end up being a big part of the bullpen or he's young as shit you don't know he could end up shit in the bed but he looked good in <laughs> exhibition games that's yeah so because I, I have no concerns about the lineup from one through nine I I like it I have no concerns right, yeah, so the lineup doesn't concern me at all no, it, is, it is just three through five pitching like all right, so before we came on today, um, the MLB came out with a new playoff format, which I like it, especially in this kind of year. If, if you're going to make this adjustment, do it. And the one part is really stupid about how they get to pick their the other three of their opponents on a live It's interesting, show. but it's so weird. weird. Yeah, I don't like that. It should They're reaching it. for views. Yeah. yeah. But it does make the case for the Phillies to definitely make the playoffs because now— um, the top two teams in each division automatically make the playoffs, and then what is it? The other, the other two, two. yeah, that the make other it. two in the NL and the AL with the best records are basically like, I guess, the wild cards, mm-hmm. and um, it's a three-game series. There's no yeah. one wild card game; it's three-game right. series for that. To That's start. better, but and there's also no travel. With the game, so all three games will be played at, yep. at the home field. Someone gets all three record. games at the home stadium. Yeah. So, with that in mind, where do you guys now? Opening day is tomorrow for the Phillies. Where do you see them finishing with the new format? Are they you're a first place team to you and contenders? Are they a second place team or are they fringe? You know, thirty one and twenty nine, and squeaking in that. Oh well. Before we get to that, we hey. have. Our oh, guest on good. right now. Yep. Uh, you can catch him on the Marks and Reese show on 94 WIP Monday through Fridays from 2 to 6. Mr. John Marks. John, uh, well, first, thank you for coming on. Uh, I know it must be difficult talking sports every day with no games for almost five months, but it's finally opening day. So um, I just, I can't imagine. How excited are you? How you been? Yeah, good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great. The greatest sports is back. I mean, we, you know, even in Philly, we can talk about the Eagles even when they're not playing, but it's nice to be able to supplement that conversation with, with other sports, and we haven't had that. So it would be nice to get the Phillies back. Listen, having an extra couple of playoff teams in in baseball gives the Phillies that much more of a chance. So hopefully we're talking about a playoff run here this year. Well, we were just discussing the same thing, so I'm actually I'm very excited that you just said that because my first question for you um, is expectations-wise, because that's what we were talking about for the first 20 minutes of the show. And, you know, before you came on, um, it seems that a lot of people nationally and even locally uh, are 
there's a lack of optimism surrounding the Phillies this year. A lot of people see them as the fourth best team in this division, uh, a 500 team at that, at 30 and 30 in the 60 game uh, season. So, are you on that side or with this new playoff format and with the additions of Joe Girardi? Um, are you more of an optimistic side as we are? Well, I mean, it, it's tough because it's a 60 game season and. Who knows what the hell is going to happen in such a short season? Maybe they come out slow, and that's going to end up screwing them, where if they played 162, they'd be able to turn it around. I actually think it gives the Phillies an advantage 60 games because they, they're they not as good. At least their starting pitching is not as good as some of these other teams. So all you need is a guy like Max Scherzer or Steven Strasburg to come out and not be good right off the bat, maybe even go on the DL. And, and you know, that, that could be a third to half of their season losing a starting pitcher. So I think a lot of this stuff is up in the air, but as, as far as the as far as the Phillies, I really really like their lineup. I, I, I think they're going to score runs, and it's going to come down to Aaron Nola, how good can he be right off the bat? Because last year it took him a little bit of time to get going. I think Zach Wheeler is going to be a huge addition, being the number two pitcher, a huge upgrade over what they had last year. And then really for me, can one of the other three guys or Spencer Howard, if he ends up becoming that guy, can they contribute? and give you a sub-four ERA, right? Like, can they be above-average number three starters? Velasquez looked great in the exhibitions. I, I would love to say that we should count on that. I don't know if we can. Pavetta's look good. Again, we've made mistakes thinking these guys are going to do this consistently, and they haven't. So, as, to get back to, to what you asked, um, I, I think this is a playoff team, especially with the, with the format that they have right now. And I think a lot of it is Joe Girardi. So, I think you see the biggest bump in a new manager – going into the first year. So you go from, from Gabe Kapler, I think everybody likes, but they kind of rolled their eyes at. Um, so a guy like Joe Girardi, now there's structure. Now there's expectation. Now they're actually going to have, in a bullpen, they're going to have guys that are enrolled. So I think they're going to appreciate that, and, the, and they love that. So first year, Joe Girardi, first and second years, Brian Price, the new, the new pitching coach, Joe Dillon, they're not going to be as worried about the analytics and the launch angle and stuff like that. I think this is a 34-35 win team, and if they do that in this new playoff format, it seems like they're going to get in. Yeah, I, I agree with you. We were just talking about the same thing, but uh, you mentioned one guy in particular in Vince Velasquez, and my friend George over here has bit on the bait already for the 20th time believing in Vince Velasquez. So, George, I'll throw it to you. John, yes, I have. I mean, he's came out in the exhibition game, and he's, he's thrown a great changeup. His cutter looks really good. Do you think he could grab the number five spot? And if he does, what does that mean for Spencer Howard? Well, I mean, I, I think he is to, to start the season. He's going to be in the in the rotation. And the reason why I think that it can be different this year with Velasquez is really when, when he was when he was good before, it was almost all on fastballs, right? And like you mentioned, he's got a cutter. And that changeup, again, that goes to the pitching coach. So a new pitching coach that's not trying to jam – his ideas down the throat of these pitchers and is saying to them, hey, listen, what do you want to do? What do you do well? Let's come up with a plan to make you the most effective. So the fact that he's throwing a changeup, he just didn't have enough variety of pitches before. You know I mean? You, you can get by with a great fastball as a bullpen guy. But as a starting pitcher, man, you need, you need more than just one, one plus pitch. And that's all he had. So mixing in the changeup and using that cutter, I think, is really going to help. But the biggest thing with Velasquez is, what happens when he has that oblique moment and something goes wrong in an inning? Because that's when before what's happened is he totally falls apart and it, and it just starts to snowball from there. So really mentally with Velasquez, that's the biggest thing. As far as 
Spencer Howard, I mean, do I expect him to be up once the once the six days is over and, and they can bring him up and not use a, a, a year of service time? I mean, yeah, but it doesn't mean that you have to necessarily rush him to be a starter. He could end up being one of these, like like with Felix Rodriguez when he first when he first came up K Rod when he first came up with the Angels when he was like 20 years old. They used him as a multiple inning reliever. So you could do that with Spencer Howard, get him in there for two or three innings at a time, let him throw his fastball, let him throw his slider, and, and get him out of there. So I think Spencer Howard helps, but I don't necessarily need him to be a part of the rotation. Unless, listen, if these guys can't pitch, get him in there. But hopefully you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing because in the minors, he's always had some sort of inning restriction on him, and I wasn't sure maybe a, a bullpen piece for this season. Do you think that could be a big move for them? Yeah, it could be. You know, it's it's when you look at the Phillies bullpen on paper, it's not very exciting. They don't have a lot of big names or guys that have had a ton of success. But year to year bullpen arms. I mean, look at the money that they've spent on Tommy Hunter and David Robertson and Pat Neshek. You know, Neshek had an All Star year one year, but it doesn't seem like anybody really liked them, right? So yeah, you can spend big money on bullpen pieces, but year to year, you can get a guy that threw a lot of innings the year before whose arm is just totally toast the following year. Yeah, I mean, I think Spencer Howard is definitely a a a candidate to be in the bullpen if he's not a starter. And then Ramon Rosso, who is uh, he made the 30-man team. He's a he's a young. Uh, I guess they're going to use him as the long man or in that bullpen. He's got high velocity. He's got good stuff. He hasn't really pitched much above Double A. He pitched Double A and Triple A last year. He got hit around a little bit in Triple A, but he's a guy that's going to be on the opening day roster, and he's got an electric arm too. So you might see a lot of these young guys that are pitching out of the bullpen, and if they can pitch in a short season, they're going to be good. What's up, John? It's Ken. I got a question that's really irking a lot of Phillies fans here. Even uh, our franchise player Bryce Harper's voices opinion on the situation. How concerned are you that the Phillies haven't gotten a deal with JT Realmuto yet, especially with the Mookie, bon- Mookie Betts contract yesterday? Um, well, Matt Klintak said today he 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 was speaking about. Uh, he was speaking about the, the, the Mookie Betts contract, and I don't know, I don't remember the exact wording, but he said something to the effect of that they were creative and the player and the team were creative in getting the deal done, which to me was almost a shot at Real Muto saying, like, hey, they're not being creative. They're telling us they want six years at $23 million a year, and they're not really budging much off of that. So right, this, here's how I read the situation is that, the Phillies probably aren't willing to go where they were willing to go before, but they're probably willing to get near it. And Real Muto really hasn't budged off of his number because he'll play the season out and he'll see what happens in free agency. Uh, I think Mookie Betts was smart to take the contract that he got. It probably the pandemic probably cost him fifty to seventy-five million dollars, but he took the best deal that he has right now. He doesn't have to worry about it. He he has security of, of not you know not being a free agent now, and he has his money. Um, but as far as Real Muto, here's what I would do. If they're really not budging off the five or six years, and I ain't giving them five or six years, all right? I'm not. Not at $23 million a year. I would play it out in free agency. Now, you play it out in free agency, you have to be willing to lose them. And you could get a team like the Dodgers or the Mets, and the Mets have been known to, to really cover JT Real Muto. They could come in, and they could they could give you give him an offer that he can't refuse, and he doesn't go back to the Phillies. But i got to put it on John Middleton. If he wants to ride in in his white horse and be the, protector, the, the, the hero and the protector of the franchise, and he's got to be willing, willing to meet whatever contract is offered to him in free agency, or you're going to, you're going to lose him. So here's what I would do. If I'm going to overpay him, I'll overpay him in free agency. I ain't giving him a six-year contract right now. Could you lose him? Yeah, I guess you could lose him, but I, I, I don't want a 36-year-old catcher that's making $23 million a year. 
So are you running the risk to lose them? You could. So that's the, that's the risk that you run. Wow. Uh, kind of agree. I never looked at it from that point, but kind of agree. But Snap, go ahead. Hey, Snap here. Uh, transitioning into a little bit of Eagles football since training camp's coming up, I want to get your take on which players we should be watching out for, which group of players we should be watching out for in camp, whether it be wide receivers, linebackers, corners, and what rookies you think will have a big impact. Well, I actually think Jalen Rager is going to have a, an immediate impact. Uh, what I mean, what I saw from Jalen Rager, I mean, how many how many people watch TCU games, right? I, I can't raise my hand and say I watch that, that many TCU games. But, I mean, just kind of, kind of going off YouTube and seeing really what his strengths are, if he can catch the ball, he's going to be, he's going to be a real weapon in year one. And Doug Peterson's really creative in getting guys like that. Now, is he going to be a starter? Is he going to see 50, 60 plays a game? No, of course he shouldn't. But – I think year one, using him in a, in, in a specified role, he can be really dangerous. I know his 40 time wasn't great at the Combine. This dude is faster than anybody else on the field in any game that I saw. Watch, I mean, he is just he's that good. So I think Jalen Rager, year one, is going to have a big impact as a big play receiver. Now, I don't think he's ever going to be a number one receiver. He's ever going to be a high-volume catch guy, just like Deshaun Jackson was never a high-volume catch guy. But he's a playmaker and he's a home run hitter. So I think you're going to see that year one. I mean, other than that, I don't, I don't really know what you can expect from rookies. Maybe, maybe Kevon Wallace can give you something. Again, he's a fourth-round draft pick. I don't know what you can expect from him. I have no idea what kind of a player he was in college. And the fact that you have a second-round draft pick that's, that's a quarterback, hopefully you never see him play. And I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't expect him to be the backup, at least if Carson went down, for a, for a game or at least for a short period of time. But, I mean, I, I say start with Rager, and then from there, just, you know, you'll, you'll have a good enough core here on offense to where adding a, a, an explosive playmaker, you'll be good on offense. And you hope some of these young guys, the, the, the rookie linebacker, can, can come in and can help year one. But, I, honestly, I don't know. I don't know what to, what to expect. Yeah, I feel I feel that same way. But um, another position of players I, w- I was looking out for is who do you think is going to be the starting linebackers for this team coming out of camp? Because, you know, they didn't really address the position very seriously in the offseason, and it's probably our weakest point on defense. So I wanted to get your opinion on that, too. They, they love they love T.J. Edwards, you know, and they've loved, you know, over the course of me being an Eagles fan, they've loved a lot of guys like T.J. Edwards that, never materialized into anything other than a, a decent starter or not a decent starter. But they seem to really like him. Nate Gary's going to be going to be one of your other linebackers. Um, and then from there, I think the spot's wide open. Yeah, but for whatever reason, they don't, they don't value linebackers, so they're not going to pay him a lot of money. I know Nigel Bradham is still available out there, and he's, I mean, if you brought him back, he's not going to make any money. So maybe they're going to bring in a veteran like that, kind of to see who's around and to start a training camp. I'd like another veteran body in there. But as far as a playmaking linebacker, it didn't mean Nate Gary actually made some plays last year, but I wouldn't expect a lot of a lot of great linebacker play this year. You almost hope that they're just good enough, and that's kind of what, kind of what it seems like the Eagles are okay with. Yeah. Uh, jumping over to another uh, position of group where there's this one's more overpopulated rather than not as many. We got in the wide receiver position, we got Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rieger, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Marquise Goodwin, Greg Ward, Alshon Jeffrey, when he comes back, there's a lot of guys. How many of those guys do you think are going to get actual field time? I, I assume we see Deshaun a lot. We'll see Jalen Rieger. And then after that, you don't really know who's going to get a lot, a lot of field time after that. Who do you think we're going to see the most? Well, I mean, 
mean, I, I don't know if Arcega Whiteside can play, right? I mean, that's the that's the biggest question mark. He was a second round draft pick who looked like last year he's not an NFL player. Now I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say like, hey, listen, I remember Jeremiah Trier, Tr- Jeremiah Trotter as a rookie. He didn't look he, he didn't look like he could play. He did not get a lot of playing time because he, he he couldn't play. And then he came out of second year and he was a Pro Bowler. So. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Ortega Whiteside, but I'll at least give him the benefit of the doubt and not say that, that he's totally washed already. But at the same time, I can't say I expect much based on what I saw last year. I think you're going to see a heavy dose of Deshaun. You're going to see regular in packages. He's probably going to play more than he should based on the wide receivers. And at that point, you're just waiting for, for, um, for Alshon to get back, and you hope that he can come back sooner than later, and he can be your possession guy or he can be your bigger body wide receiver. You know, great. There's talk Greg Ward might not even make the team. Now, I'd be disappointed in that because he showed me that he can at least catch the ball, which is something some of these other guys can't do. And then, you know, Marquise Goodwin, almost any team in the league could have had him. He's got good speed. He can never stay healthy. But he's at least been a guy that's been there and done that before. You know, the wide receivers, I think they have some explosive playmakers, but they're certainly – like when you, when you look at high-volume catch, high catch, that's what you, you have back for. That's what you're going to have Dallas Goddard for. And you're probably going to see Miles Sanders up his receptions this year, too. So I don't think you're going to get as many receptions out of the wide receiver as you, as a normal team would. Yeah, so I have two questions for you. First, I'll start on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Carson Wentz, right? So we've seen Carson lead this team last year to the playoffs while throwing to the five of us, basically. Um, I know there's not many, there's right. not a superstar name that pops out on paper in the wide receiver position, but there is a ton of speed and a ton of names. So uh, with all that speed surrounding him now, and you know we know that Doug can get creative, uh, should we expect Carson to be back to his 2017 MVP form, or what, what do you uh, see from number 11 this year? Hey, I mean, he better be, right? I mean, and, and listen, it's, I don't know if it's necessarily MVP form, but what you saw the last, last four games last year, and I know it was against inferior competition, and there should be something to that, but the fact of, of what he did with the talent that he had on the field is very impressive. So do I expect more of the 2017 Carson than what we saw in 2018? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he is he's healthy. Last year, I didn't I, – I mean, there was maybe the one one play where it looked like that he got hit pretty good, and then I know we had the, the playoff game. But for the most part, he did an excellent job of protecting himself. I never felt like that he put himself in danger by taking an unnecessary hit or not going out of bounds. And he played really smart last year, too. So the arrow's pointing up for Carson Wentz. I mean, I wouldn't call it a breakout year this this year for him because he, I feel like he's already broken out. But I think this year he solidifies his place in the NFL, which should be a top-five quarterback. Awesome. Completely agree with you. But switching to the defensive side of the ball, I know, you, like Snap said, they haven't really addressed the linebacker position. You said, for whatever reason, they don't really value it. But Howie Roseman has done something that I haven't seen in a long time, and that is – him addressing every point on defense besides that. So, you know, he paid Javon Hargrave one of the highest pay, as one of the highest paid nose tackles now. You get a healthy Malik Jackson back to pair with Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett and everyone else on that defensive line to possibly be one of the best lines in the league. Uh, he addressed the secondary by trading for a top five corner in Darius Slay. He signed a top five nickel corner in Nickel Roby Coleman. He moved Jalen Mills back to safety to pair with Rodney McLeod and Will Parks. Uh, does this defense, because it sure does seem it to me, does this defense have what it takes to be one of the best Eagles defense we've seen in quite some time going back to the the Freak and, and Trotter and Brian Dawkins days? No. No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I, I mean, 
I like I like Slay. Jalen Mills is not a safety. He will not be a good safety in this league. Uh, I like Slay. I'm on sure I'm on sure on Sidney Jones. Um, and Slay's a really big addition. Don't don't get me wrong. Uh, it was an excellent trade by Howie. Uh, NFL people that, that like that I know, the Brian Baldingers, other people that study tape that know the league, they rave about Javon Hargrave. I, I thought it was a lot of money to give another defensive tackle, but they point out getting pressure up the middle. And kind of taking some of that pressure and stress and snaps off of Fletcher Cox should only make him better, too. They have really good three good tackles. Uh, you know, Brandon Graham is – I love Brandon Graham. But they don't have – like, if Derek Barnett doesn't turn into a double-digit sack guy this year, I think they're going to be – they're going to be – they're going to struggle to get pressure. Because Brandon has never had double-digit sacks, and I love him, but he's better opposite a guy that is a natural pass rusher. And if Derek Barnett can be that guy, he's shown flashes. He's very young. I like him. But he's still got to do it. He's got to stay healthy and do it. So, I mean, what, what's the upside of this defense? I think the upside of the defense is an above-average defense. Uh, from there, it's, okay, well, can you create turnovers? Like, just being a good defense, being a, you know, Jim, Jim Schwartz, whether you like him or don't like him, and I, I don't necessarily love him, but he has a very professional defense. So you know at the very least that he's going to keep it buttoned up and they're going to they're gonna play well. But – can they create turnovers? Can they, where are the playmakers on defense? Can they intercept the ball? Can they score defensive points? I think that's where the difference between a good defense and an above-average defense lays. And you know what? Listen, 2017, I don't know how many people saw that coming. They had excellent pass rush. They had a, a rotation of guys to get to the quarterback, and that's what it was about. Their secondary wasn't great in 2017, but it covered up because they, they were covered up because they could get to the quarterback. So we'll see. You need pressure on the quarterback. If they get, if they get to the quarterback, they'll be good. They'll be really good. Okay. Hey, John, kind of tying all that in, we saw Howie add a lot of speed throughout the draft, and he addressed a lot of major needs on the defensive side of the ball. Do you think Howie's done enough this offseason for him to be successful, and do you think we should expect any more moves? Uh, I mean, maybe a minor move. Uh, you know, everybody talks about Jadavion uh, Clowney. And he's still available out there. I, I mean, I think for the right price, which I don't believe he's going to settle for. Like, how he, how he knows that Davion Clowney would make that defense better, uh, even though he's been an underachiever. And, you know, I'm not spending $18, $20 million a year for him. But at the right price, he can really add to the defense. I don't believe they're going to do that. Um, I think that what you could see them do is maybe add a veteran linebacker or somebody like that close to the minimum. You know, the, the Jamal Adams trade was, was talked about. I'm sure he's investigated that. But, again, to give up the kind of draft capital to get him and to have to give him a new contract, it just doesn't seem like with the cap situation that they're in going forward. Because, you know, guys, the cap, the cap may not go up next year, and the Eagles are over the cap significantly. So he's got to also watch what's going on next year with everything that's going on in the world right now. You can't totally screw yourself by adding all these contracts. It'd be nice to roll some of that cap over. So we'll see. They can make a minimum move. I wouldn't expect anything anything big. Veteran running back, too. That's the other thing that I think they will do. They'll add one of these veteran running backs, whether it's a Shady or, or somebody else that's out there. Yeah, possibly a Devontae Freeman. But, uh, all right, I know it's far away and training camp has yet to begin, but where do you see this Eagles team as of right now on paper come January? Um, You know, look at them as, as a not probably 10 win team, it depends on the Cowboys. Like a lot of people are writing off the Cowboys. I know this, that there hasn't been a back to back division winner in the NFC East since 2004, I guess. So 
listen, that's a long time. Uh, the Cowboys underachieved last year with a, with a brain-dead coach and a lot of talent. They underachieved. So does Mike McCarthy coming in, does he, you know, does, does he, is he the difference maker? Can he be a difference maker in turning the team out? Dak Prescott put up a lot of yards last year. He wasn't very good. You know, if you watch, if you watch enough Cowboy games, I didn't think he was very good last year. So I think the Eagles are kind of right there with the Cowboys. And I would say they probably have the, have the head up just because, for the most part, with, with, with not having off-season training activities and really training camp, there's not going to be a lot of hit. Cowboys have a lot more turnover, and the Eagles, with their head coach and with their quarterback and with everything else, not a lot's going to be changed. So I'll give the, the Eagles a, a head up over the Cowboys. And from there, it's like, you know, can you win a playoff game? I'm not looking at this as a Super Bowl year for the Eagles. They didn't seem to go all in. So I'm not expecting them to go all in, but as we knew, as we, guys, as we saw in 2017, there's always a team that people don't expect that makes a run and can win it. That happened with the Eagles in 2017. It could happen this year. If Carson Wentz plays like he did in 2017, and Deshaun Telsey and Jalen Rager plays like a lot of people think he can, this team can win a lot. They can. Oh, I sure hope so. But John, uh, thank you so much for um, you know taking your time out on your drive home to, and reaching out and talking to us today. Uh, means a lot, and hope to have you on sometime soon. And please uh, stay safe during these crazy times. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks John. John. Thank you. All right, boys. A lot of interesting, interesting notes there. JT thing was shocking to me. Yeah, that was... It made sense though. But I, I just don't point. like the idea of like, losing yeah. him. I, it just doesn't make sense to me. I understand all the points he was making, but at the end of the day, like, I just don't know how you can let one of the, the best player, if not the best, second best, first best player at his position, at a crucial at a crucial position, just walk. Just walk for nothing. You gave up so much, and you, the idea of letting him walk just... It kills me. Yeah, I think like you gave up some Sixto Sanchez is just that's what does it. Sixto Sanchez. I think he's looking at it. He's looking at it more of a future from a future perspective. Mm -hmm. Talking about he doesn't want a thirty-six-year-old catcher getting twenty-three, and I understand that. But like you guys are saying, I would still give him what he wants, especially when he's saying if he's not willing to come. Like if you're talking a little bit of money, why did we lose Patrick Corbin last year to the Nationals? Patrick Corbin was very close to being a Philly. Very. The Phillies offered him what. The Phillies offered him what four or five, and the Nationals gave him what six. He wanted six years. Yeah, and the and Phillies that, said no. They offered five, four <laughs> yep. or five, and the Nationals offered six, they offered and five. they went there five, and he went and he went and helped them win a World Series ring. Okay, you. What did I say last week? You are you told at your fan base you are in a win now mode by signing Bryce Harper for that amount of money by trading giving up those assets for JT Romuto for signing Andrew McCutcheon for trade for signing DD Gross you've done everything you bring in a championship general manager in Joe Girardi to me I understand where he's coming from like down the line that could hurt them but right now you have an opportunity I believe to make a run with this lineup Bryce said it himself he said. We backloaded my contract so we yes. could sign guys like JT. That's yes. what it's about. Like, why do you think Bryce Harper made ten million dollars last year? Right. So you can get, you can ink up the players that you need to win now. Yeah, but and the issue is if because they're talking JT's 
average, annual average. So yeah. when that when that backloaded time comes in six years, oh yeah, it's going to be you're hell. Gonna have Bryce, no, but if you give JT what he wants, you're also going to be paying JT twenty three million yeah. plus Bryce in an older age. I think that's what they're shying away from. But still, I, I can't look. I know as a businessman and as as an owner, you have to. But especially when you're only talking a year and a couple million dollars. You just got to get the deal done. If we, yeah, if we sign JT, and to lose him possibly to the he's Mets, in his, like no, prime. If, if he's in his prime, and if he goes to the Mets, I'll shoot myself. The Mets love JT. I know, and like they he was saying, JT. like if you don't think the Mets are coming out this offseason and offering that man, the any they're putting the blank check in the front Astros of them. The Astros too, they're very intense. Yeah, like and it, I'd rather him go to the Astros, those cheating son of a bitches. <laughs> but like the Mets, could you imagine JT in orange and blue? I. Well, honestly, head. if we do sign JT to like a say six year deal, I don't think he would be a catcher that whole time. I think maybe moving the first, first base, base at some point. Yeah. You could even put him at the, eventually a DH right, if it really DH goes stage. down south. Yeah, like, the dude hit eighty four home runs last <laughs> season. He was a silver slugger two years in a row. He can hit the ball like best catcher in baseball. With you ease. can do anything with this guy. Dude had a two seven eight batting average, eighty four home runs. He batted in three hundred and twenty six runs. Eighty four in his career. He doesn't have eighty four last year. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, mean, I just got confused. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but uh, he was a yeah. He was a silver slugger. He's a Gold Glover. He's easily the best catcher, the in, best baseball. catcher in baseball. Just in his get prime, the deal done. Paired with Bryce Harper. We need it. And they're like best friends, yes. man. Come on. Paired with a young Reese Hoffman. You, you just want to piss off the guy you paid all this money to. There's no trade clause, right? He also, another thing I found interesting with him was I thought he was starting to bite on the Vinny V. The Vinny Me too. Like you. <laughs> he brought it up a little bit, and I was like, oh, God. Dude, but, that cutter looks filthy. <laughs> yeah, but can he do it against real competition with pressure on him? We'll see. I will say that no. I was switching gears <laughs> a little bit because, you know, NFL is king for me. I mean, obviously, I'm a 4-4 guy, but NFL is king in my, in my world. So, NBA. especially when it gets like, it gets closer, I'm going to be talking to a lot of birds. But I'm way higher on them yeah, I agree. than he is. I agree. And I think it was a realistic expectation, though. Ten to be wins. honest, yeah. is that what he said? He said nine or ten. Nine or ten. No well, shot very, Super Bowl. Really? Well, he didn't, he didn't, say, no he didn't shot, say no shot, but, but he doesn't see it, it as a Super Bowl. Not, not I kind of agree with this. Like I've always said that they haven't done enough. I understand Darius Slay was a big signing, but I still think the second. I think everyone on the secondary is just not there, and I get where, it. Where isn't it there? Darius Slay is a top five. McLeod coming off an in, okay. Name someone in the secondary besides besides Nickel Roby Coleman is a top five nickel corner in the league. Okay, two guys ain't gonna get it Kervon done. LeBlanc. Is really well, good. I, my, my yeah, but only is, he, is he going to be consistent? Yeah. My only hope is Sidney Jones corner. finally going to come back from that injury? No. Is Rodney McLeod a lockdown safety? You don't need is Jalen Mills for real going to be a good safety? No. We don't know uh, no. that. I definitely we don't, don't think Jalen Mills I think we do. I don't. I really think we do. We don't. When, but the way I look at this defense, the way it's always been, and again, he was a little bit down on the defensive line, too. I think this is one of the top defensive lines in football. If they stay healthy. Fletcher, I know they're getting a little bit older, but Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, a healthy Malik Jackson, Javon Hargrave. Derek, now I, I agree 110% what he said about Derek Barnett. Derek Barnett has not lived up to what we drafted him for. Um, but it's still like our defense is built off of getting pressure and getting at the quarterback. The issue before was we had no secondary, so we got picked apart. Now... 
You've added pieces in a top five at his position, a top five nickel corner. I understand your worries at safety, but they're not like you can't sit here and literally tell me that that is a definite hole. You're saying he's coming off an injury. We're unsure. That's not a literal. I'm hole. not saying My, it's a definite hole, but look at the guy that you you had in there that you don't have now in Malcolm Jenkins. You have the leader of your defense going, who was a. What you can argue top ten, top fifteen safety, and now you got Rodney McLeod coming off an injury and Jalen Mills who gets scorched. Like it's just worrisome, and I kind of agree with them. Like I think the expectations are there; they can be, but to lock him in, great defense. I don't think it's there. They can be, but I don't think you can lock him in. I yet. understand. I I I'm not guaranteeing them being great defense. I just think he was. I think he was underselling them. Now, hey, he knows more. He's been around this business a lot longer than I have and seen a lot more football than I have. I just think he's underselling. I didn't Eagles think you were going to compare him, though, to fucking no, 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 Dalton, no, 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 When you said that, I almost wanted to be like, yo, I'm out. No, 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 no. I wasn't comparing him. I was saying, is yeah, but my mentioning question them was, their names in the same breath. You weren't listening. I said, is this the best defense since those guys left? No. Since those guys left, on paper, how isn't it? Well, on, never, I was going to say on paper, the dream team, but that, was that obviously Chasing failed. Bad. But that's a good point, though, right there. Yeah, it was. They had Colin you, Jenkins, Nandi Asamoah, Asante Samuel, Dominic Rogers, Cromarty. All I'm saying is Darius Slate isn't Nandi Asamoah. Javon Hargrave isn't <laughs> Colin Jenkins. You know how many times we've had corners come in here that are just complete bullshit Byron and trash? Maxwell. Hey, Byron hey, Maxwell. Dude. Byron Maxwell's career got rejuvenated the second he left this fucking it team. It ain't him. I'm telling you no, now. I it think, is not Darius. But like going back to the D line, like there are guys on here that yes, they're very, very good. They're very, very good, but they're up in age, and that's I think where the concern comes in for the line because you lose Graham or you lose Cox or you lose uh, Hargrave, Hargrave, whatever the fuck his name is, this D-line's nothing because then you're coming out on a guy like Derek Barnett. And that's where it gets worrying. So Brandon Graham's 32. But what I'm saying is this has been a playoff team the last two, three years with injuries all across the board. If this team stays healthy, if those teams made the playoffs, just made the playoffs. But they just made the playoffs. We're talking Super Bowl here, are we not? And, but I'm, t- I'm saying compare those players that made the playoffs to the guys, if they stay healthy, which are going to be in there. That's my point. I get it. I get it. I really do. But, like, the reason those in the reasons we just make the playoffs the last two years is because of injuries. We didn't have the de- – we had a deep-ass deep, – a way deeper deep line in the Super Bowl year than we do now. In the Super Bowl year? No. We didn't have a deeper line. We had Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox – Derek Barnett had the strip, had uh, the recovery off of the Brandon Graham strip sack. Uh, who else did we? We didn't have him leak. Jack we had Chris Long. Chris Long. Chris Long. Okay. Don't, do not talk crap on Chris I'm Long. Not, Chris not, Long was not I'm even not, starting on the line. Chris Long. Chris Long was coming off the bench for that line. He should have been. But that's what I mean. But that that's just the point that, that you had such talent that you wasn't even playing every snap. You could just throw in guys. You had Timmy Jernigan too. So it was Timmy Jernigan. Hey, and yeah. Oh, you had Timmy middle. exactly, exactly. Was that that the year is better than Timmy Jernigan. No, that was the year Tim Jernigan got paid. What or was that the year before Jim, the Tim? The year Jernigan before. Paid? Yeah, that was he was unreal that year. Timmy? Yeah. Yeah. Because you land him on there. And I get it. Hardgrave is better. But like when you have a guy like Timmy Jernigan, yeah. you have a guy like Chris Long, plus all the guys that are still here, the line was better in 2017. I get it. I get it. I really do. But I think his expectations for us being 10 wins, I'm not mad about 10 that. wins would be an absolute win with the schedule that we have, truthfully. Schedule's have, tough. It's really. I'll, I'll agree. We go through stretches that. in the schedule where it's like, I don't even know how we can 
pull out two wins out of three games. Where do we have Seattle, so 10 wins is Baltimore. Baltimore. I think they're an 11 and five team. I think 10 11 would, and five would yeah. be. A home I put run. them That's high. I put them high on, on yeah. our podcast earlier this year. But like, they could easily go the other way. We play the Super Bowl oh, loser in in uh, the 49ers. We play Lamar Jackson in the Baltimore Ravens. We play Seattle. Pittsburgh. We play, uh, play Pittsburgh. Play is it Seattle Arizona back to back? Right. It's, it's yeah. We get Arizona this year too. Yeah. It's I. We get Cleveland too. As it. No joke. They stink. Well, they stink, they but they, 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 that they can be the game they turn it up. Right. Uh, 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 Chubbs don't, yeah. don't forget uh, the first game is uh, Washington Football Club. Yeah, Washington <laughs> Football Club. The Washington <laughs> Football Team. I, listen, I understand what you guys I just are. don't know why they don't pick a fucking name. Just pick any name. <laughs> That's it's what you do when you're just changing. I gotta say, the unis still haven't figured it out. The unis aren't bad, though. The unis aren't bad. the same thing. I know. They got the new logo on the helmet, though. I would have just rebranded. And I also want to know. The new Numbers. I know. <laughs> it's, it's awful. Just <laughs> fucking pick some, dude. It's been a week. Figure it out. You got millions of dollars to invest in graphic designers. You got designers. the Seattle Kraken now. I mean, come on. Figure it no, out. No, that's a crime that the Seattle got an NHL team before the Supersonics came back. Absolute crime. <laughs> I'm so mad about that. That is a basketball town. I can name like three really Hockey good. town now, buddy. I can name three really good players they just straight the, out, out of Seattle. Top of the thing Isaiah today. Thomas, Jamal Crawford. You got like straight up talent coming out of Seattle. Rains all the time. That's why they say they're, they're such a basketball <laughs> No, but for real, that's what all the Seattle players say. That's the reason why it's such a big basketball town. Because when it rains, you just go you just to the go gym. Play basketball, yeah. And you play basketball. Just, all a, just a quick thing. Uh, Kershaw on the IL now for back I just stiffness. saw that. Dustin May starting today. Yeah. What? Back stiffness, yep. Yeah. And Dustin May getting the start. Oh, they should they should still win. Like. I hope. But the odds are down, so you might as well bet a oh, hammer the I run already line. Put it in. Hammer the run line, baby. Double down. Damn you. Hammer it. <laughs> For all you betting people. Yeah, we'll be talking Yanks, betting very Dodgers, start doing that more. I like betting that. segment. <laughs> Alright, let's wrap it up. Um if you guys don't already subscribe because you're listening, might as well give us a good rate. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Faithful Fanatics, and you can find us on Twitter at Faithful Fans. Make sure you follow both of those pages and merch. buy the merch. merch. Yeah, merch, 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 merch on tpublic.com. Anything um, else, boys? We got a nice note. We got a nice logo. It'll look good on you. Buy it. Yeah, for real. Cheap, <laughs> very cheap. We, we're gonna have more too. It was kind of that's my job, and I'm kind of stalling on it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, baseball's back, so can't wait. Sixers, holy uh, smokes, we back. Sixers preseason tomorrow. Never been so yes! in my life. <laughs> can't wait for Ben to drill a three. <laughs> he drills a three. They're winning. I'm screaming. It's over. It's finals. MVP. I want to see him at power forward too. We still recording? Yeah. Wait, when do we start? <laughs> what? When do we start? We'll start at six. Six. Oh uh, yeah, it's seven. Yeah. Your laptop's Yeah, your laptop's fast. Again. It's. Oh my god! <laughs> Why is it still fast? I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, I guess we guys got a bullshit for them. So this is Snap's fault, guys. <laughs> I wonder why everyone is kind of looking at me. Yeah, like, <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up. 655. <laughs> he did it last week, too. He's like, no, it's it's this time. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's a lot of fun having these guests on. We're having Frank Close on next week. Oh, so there is a guest next week. That's yes. what I thought. Billy's reporter. Billy's reporter. Awesome. Hard to beat. Billy's reporter. Too. Yes, sir. Um, so, yeah, guys, we hope we really hope you guys like Enjoy. what we do. And... Uh, 
Yeah, just a little shout-out to the fans. Yeah. 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 A little shout-out to the fans. Appreciate yeah. you. Thanks for listening. Yeah. We looked at those download numbers the other oh, day. That was good. That was crazy that we're, like, in other countries. France. I'm telling you. France. Yeah, if you're listening to France right Cabaret. now, thank you. If you're listening to any other place besides Jersey or Pennsylvania. I think I think that those one downloads from those other countries. It's TLC. Came from the Kobe or the pandemic. True. Because true. Oh, no are, doubt. No doubt. And they're, they're titled that way, so I was like, yeah, that's where they came from. No, no one in Vietnam's like, I wonder what the Phillies are going to do. <laughs> do <laughs> not get in read the fucking title. <laughs> Final record uh, prediction for the Phillies? Quick. Mm. I'll go first. Th- 35 and 25. I was going to say 34. 33 and 27. I was, I was going 34. 35 32 34. and 28. All right. I was, was going right. to say it first. But. So we're 32 to 35. I'll take That's it. a playoff team. That's a playoff team. New, new Hopefully. Team. Hopefully. Playoff team. All right, guys. Well, now we actually are running out of time. So <laughs> thank yeah. you guys for listening, and uh, come back next week. Frank Close, Phillies Report. Peace. Interview. Buy the merch. We out.